So what a blessing to be able to celebrate together this solemnity uh, in Lent, that it falls on a Saturday so that we can gather uh, all of us together and to appreciate the gift of the saints. And now today, the gift of Saint Joseph. Saint Joseph was a human being like ourselves. And like us, he dreamed, he had hopes, he had desires for his life. And this is normal. This, we all do this. We hope, we dream, we have desires. And that's not a problem unless we insist that our life should go exactly the way we hope. If we were to insist that God would fulfill these always our way. And so what we see so beautifully in Joseph is that first he desired God's will. He desired it. Even though he had his own will, he had his own hopes, his own dreams. But he desired deeper than all that the will of God. And then we see that once Joseph knows God's will, he accepts it and he embraces it. And when it's different than his, he defers to God. Defers to God. He comes to know that God has a special plan on the life of Mary, his betrothed. And once he becomes aware of that plan, he does not insist that what he had desired for her should happen. He steps back and defers to God. Joseph, the child she has conceived, is of the Holy Spirit. And then he takes Mary and the child into his home. And what does he do for the rest of his life? He serves the mystery of God unfolding within Mary, Jesus Christ. And then he becomes the guardian and servant of Jesus, the life of Jesus. Don't be afraid, Joseph. Don't be afraid. And he takes Mary and Jesus into his home. We can know then that the role of Joseph in heaven is to be the caretaker of what? Of Jesus within us. The intercession of Joseph is serving the life of Jesus in you and in me. 
Right now, with other saints, Joseph is praying for you and for me. And more than anything, he's praying that the life of Jesus that we received in baptism, that is continually nourished by the Word of God and the gift of the Eucharist, that is nurtured in the fellowship of the body of Christ, Joseph is serving that. And now we understand the invitation that is extended to us because we are to be imitators of Joseph in this way. And we are now to become the caretakers and the guardians of the life of Jesus within each other. The body of Christ. And this is beautifully expressed in one of the intercessions in the divine office where it says, you chose Joseph to care for you. Oh, I better put on my glasses. Joseph, to care for your son in childhood and youth. And then it says, teach us to care for Christ's body by caring for our brothers and our sisters. So it's both caring for each other's physical needs. I was hungry, you gave me food. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. This caretaking does include the body, but we also know the primacy on the life of the Spirit. Even more, it is to care for the life of Jesus within. It's wonderful for a couple to bring their children to baptism, to the fount of baptism. And after that baptism, it's like God is saying, okay, don't be afraid. The life of Jesus has now been conceived in your child. Don't be afraid of that. <laughs> Take it into your home, into your family, and I will give you what you need to take care of this new life. Not only the child's physical life, that too is included, but to take care of the life of Jesus that the Holy Spirit brought to that child, that God wants to continue to grow. The child grows and the life of Jesus matures into a deeper, deeper friendship with Jesus. And of course, we can do this any number of ways. Praying for the child, encouraging things that keep the child connected to Jesus, turning to Jesus, staying close to Jesus. One of my favorite things about Sunday Mass is all the kids that show up the parents that bring their children, loving them into the arms of Jesus, loving them to the table where they will receive Jesus. All of these are beautiful ways 
of following and imitating the care and the guardianship of Saint Joseph. So let's pray for this grace too, that we would accept this vocation, that we would take on this responsibility and know that God provides the grace we need to do it. Without God, we could not do this. Let's trust that the Lord will give us the grace to serve the life of Christ in each other. Amen. What a privileged moment this is in the Mass. And it's such an intimate moment when you and I gathered here as God's children and the Lord speaks to us. God speaks to his children and he speaks into you and I a life-giving word that has the power if our hearts are open and rightly disposed, it has the power to change our lives. So let's just take a moment to ponder together this gospel. Jesus reminds us, as he does every single disciple, of the importance of repentance. We hear this exhortation throughout the scriptures and often on the lips of Jesus. Repent. And the reason why repentance is so important for your life and mine is we do not want to be like this fig tree, barren, without fruit. And Jesus reveals clearly that if our Christian life is going to be fruitful for the kingdom, we have to continue to live a spirit of repentance. What does that word mean? In our studies of scripture, we come to find out that this word is two Greek words put together, metanoia. Meta means change, and noia refers to the deep thoughts, attitudes, dispositions within the heart. And so therefore, repentance is not just a turning away from sin. Full repentance is a change of heart. What you and I want most deeply is for God to come and take out of our heart any thoughts, attitudes, dispositions that are sinful. And we want the Lord to give us the noia of Christ. We want the heart of Jesus 
And we want to have, therefore, his mind. We want to have his beatitudes. We want to have his dispositions. And so Jesus says, repent. Any one of us and any community of God's children can become a barren bush, a fig tree without fruit. And notice that the fig tree itself does not have in itself what it needs to start anew, to bear fruit. It has to come from somewhere else. And so we have this image of the gardener, this voice of one who begs and pleads to start over with this plant, to beg for more time because he wants to do something, cultivate the ground, put in fertilizer. This is a revelation of the mercy of God. Wait, don't cut it down. Give it a second chance. And we see God doing this all throughout the scriptures. God does not want the death of any sinner. God does not want anyone to die in their sin. He wants rather that the sinner be converted and to live. God so loved the world. God so loves you and me that he sent his only son, the gardener who has come to do something for you and I in order that our lives may be truly fruitful for the kingdom of God. Jesus is also representing the soil. There's that beautiful line in St. Paul's letter to the Colossians, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus, continue to live your lives in him, deeply rooted in him. And as we talk about soil, it's hard not to think of that gospel virtue of humility. Besides charity, agape love, the gospel virtue that Jesus talks about more than any other is humility. Learn of me, for I am meek and humble of heart. And the word humility is derived from a Latin word that means earth, ground. 
which reminds us that our origins, that we were taken from the earth and God breathed into us the breath of life. And this is a reminder of our radical dependence on God and the infinite debt of gratitude and devotion that we owe to God. And whenever a person loses their rightful place before God, pride takes over and leads to a life that is barren. And even if it seems that there's fruit, it is bad fruit, not fruit for the kingdom. And so Jesus says, repent. And one sin that we all need to repent of is pride. It's interesting that the sin that the scriptures reveal to be the most common and most serious is the least confessed. And this is because pride often comes with blindness. A person can be in pride and not see it. Pride is one of those compensation sins. And most of the sins we commit are compensating for something that's missing. I'll give you an example. If God is not at the center of my life, I will put myself at the center. If I am not receiving my strength from God in pride, I will rely on my own strength, self-reliance. If I'm not receiving affirmation that I need from God's love in pride, I will promote myself and exaggerate my abilities and brag about my achievements. If I am not receiving my true identity from God, in pride I will build a false identity. And so many people do this. If I'm not receiving the love that my heart most deeply needs from God, in pride, I will try to fulfill this need through lust. If I am not going to God with the pain in my life, whether it's the pain of rejection, discouragement, feeling overwhelmed, in pride, I will try to seek consolation through gluttony and drunkenness, food and drink. If I'm not receiving my deepest need for security from God, in pride, I will try to compensate by greed and the accumulation of material things. And so Jesus says, repent. Repent. Open your hearts to me and let me convert you. 
Let me take that pride out of your heart and let me give you my humility. And there's beautiful examples of humility. We're doing it right now, one of them. Whenever we gather to worship, what are we saying? We are saying, I am not God. Because let's be honest, sometimes we try to play God. We want to control things and manipulate things to go our way. Whenever we pray a beautiful act of humility, we are saying, God, I need you. I can't do life without you. Gratitude. In every act of gratitude, we are saying in humility, God, I believe that everything comes from you as a gift. Trustful surrender to God says, God, your will is better and wiser than my will. Sometimes we're not convinced of this, and we want to give God some advice. Deferring to others says that I am not the center of the universe. When I'm in pride, it's my way or the highway. Humility, deferring to others. I'm not the center. Apology, saying that I'm sorry, is saying to another person, I love you and your well-being more than my pride, my need to be right, my need to justify myself. No, I'm sorry. Humility. And then, of course, the humility of admitting and confessing my sins. I cannot redeem myself. Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I need you to save me. I need your mercy. As we grow in humility, joy increases. And humility is a way of expressing love. The joy when others are praised and we're not. The joy to do things that are hidden, that go unnoticed. The joy of anticipating the needs and preferences of others. The joy of being the first to extend love and not always wait for it to be extended to us first. The joy to put love in a place where there's not love. The joy of accepting the small irritations of life cheerfully. Let us put our pride on this altar this morning. And after communion, we receive Jesus. Just a recommendation. After communion, we go back to our pew, put our hands over our heart, and do what I would call a spiritual transfusion prayer, slowly saying, heart 
of Jesus. Heart of Jesus. Heart of Jesus. And as we pray this slowly to let our hearts become one with the heart of Jesus, allowing ourselves to be rooted in Jesus, who can bear fruits of humility in your life and mine. Amen.